take these deeds, both the sealed deed of purchase and the open deed, and put them in an earthenware jar in order that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
taught to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous, and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
they do not listen to Moses or the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord.
So we did what we needed to do. But I realized that I was unable to see in that man, in that moment, the need that was presented before me. I think sometimes our lives are so busy, we get so caught up with our own agendas. And that was part of my problem, certainly, that, that morning. So caught up with our agenda, what we have to get done, that it's hard for us to see the need that is right there in front of us. And I think it, that somehow we have to get beyond just trying to do what we believe needs to be done and to see what God has called us to do. How often in our daily lives we become Lazarus for us. And who is that person who's Lazarus for us? It should have been obvious to me that his need was so great and that I needed to be gracious from the very beginning, not just at the end. But how do we bring ourselves to that point where we can see Christ in the other? Well, this parable ends with a huge chasm between the rich man and Lazarus. With the rich man in the 80s and Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham in heaven. But that chasm that really existed all through their lives. Scholars believe that about 5% of the population were made, was made up of people like Lazarus. And they lived outside the gates of the city, outside the city walls. And then in the morning when the gates were open, they would come into the city, they would pay, and then before the gates were closed at night, they would be cast out again outside the walls. And in addition to that, the truly wealthy had homes that had walls built around them. So in the case of uh, Lazarus and the rich man, not only did he have the sense of a person outside the walls of the city, but he was also outside the walls of this wealthy man's home. Lazarus just wanted to have some of the scraps from his family. And I think part of what the parable tells us is that he apparently was so weak that he couldn't even keep the dogs away from, from licking his sores. And this interjection of dogs into this parable, an, an indication of other things. Lazarus was on the outside. He was in the 5%. Lazarus didn't count for anything in that culture. Now the rich man is on the other side of that passage. It says that he dressed in purple linen. Purple was a very expensive cloth. And the linen probably referred to linen undergarments that were bought from Egypt. Another very expensive luxury. And then the, the lesson also says that he feasted sumptuously every day. Everybody ate him, but not everybody feasted every day. So what Jesus is setting before the Pharisees is this image of a man who is living <coughs> extravagantly in the face of this man who had such a great need. The two live in very different worlds. The huge cat of his people. Not unlike the man in the library. <coughs> I don't believe that the purpose of this parable is to condemn the rich. And the other problem with all that is when I think about the rich, and I just may be true for you as well, it's always those who have more material.
right there for us. We can become so comfortable in the mold in which we're performed that we don't see beyond it. And I think that's especially true for those of us who live in concrete and surrounding communities. We live in sort of a bubble, but we don't see much urgent need. Now the truth is, there is need. There's need in concrete. But perhaps because of shame, because of not being able to keep up with others, not being able to appear to be an appropriate person to be living here, that it can't ever be disclosed. But there are people in real need in our town who are hungry, some of them living in big houses that don't have furniture in them anymore. People in real need. Most of the time we don't see that. But if we go down to Harvard Square, or when I go into the diocese and get off, get off the tee and the, uh, down to Harvard come up in front of the cathedral, we're confronted with it head on because of the panhandlers who are there. But often we don't see that more subtly. It's in our own communities and perhaps even in our own families. I think that it's very important for us to understand that the need is around us all the time. Often we don't have eyes to see. Now there's another aspect of this parable that I think we must address. Uh, some have said that the only time Episcopalians preach about heaven or the afterlife is at funerals, and that's usually true. But this parable uh, doesn't let us escape today. It's about eternity as well. And Jesus seems to be saying in this parable that there's some connection between the way we live this life and how we will live an eternal life. It matters, Jesus seems to be saying, it matters what we do here and now. Now I'm not speaking about salvation by works, because only God, through God's grace and God's forgiveness, can provide us with salvation. We don't do anything to earn it. But we do respond to the grace of God and to God's forgiveness. And how we respond, I think, has to do with what we do with our resources and how we respond to need in the world around us. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray every week and more often than that. Forgive us our sins as we There's something about this divine economy. We have been given grace. We have been given forgiveness. And it is incumbent upon us to extend that grace and to extend that forgiveness. It matters what we do in this life. And it matters for all eternity. For me this past week, the man in the library was an interruption. Perhaps that's where it begins, our awareness, is are those moments of interruption in our life. When we've got a schedule, we've got a plan, we're going to make it happen. And suddenly something goes in the way and we're interrupted. I am convinced that most of those interruptions are God moments. It's when God is saying to us, stop, look around you. What is in front of you? What am I being? I believe those moments 
However it came to us, we have a responsibility to be the stewards of the money 
John Lewis will speak to us about his life journey and how he views his life journey through the lens of faith. My goal in this non-contiguous series is to extend an invitation to each one of us to look at our lives through the lens of faith, thus joining our individual life experience with the larger wholeness that is divine love and wisdom. I hope you'll come. And I hope that some of you will feel moved to also share your journey in the coming months. Please see me if you do. Perhaps in the sharing of life journeys, we will learn something about ourselves, one another, our God, and our call as a community and as individuals to be Christ for others. Thank you. Co-chairs of the upcoming fair, which will be held this year on November 9th, Saturday. We hope to see everybody. Um, more importantly, next Sunday after the service, October 6th, there is a fair planning and information brunch. Everyone is welcome to come. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Dave Weston, uh, Director of Christian 
persons whom you present prepared by a commitment to Christ as Lord, by regular attendance at worship, and by their knowledge of their duties, to exercise their ministry to the honor of God and the well-being of the church. I truly believe that they are. And now, teachers, you have been called to ministry in this congregation. Will you, as long as you are engaged in this work, perform it with diligence? I will. Will you faithfully and reverently execute the duties of your ministry to the honor of God? I will. 
all understanding be in your hearts and minds, and may the knowledge of 